welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. We are live as every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. Tonight, a little bit earlier because the Mavs are playing the Golden State Warriors in just a bit. Uh, on Primetime, ready to talk Dallas Cowboys football, Jalen Tolbert, named an NFC breakout candidate by Pro Football Focus. We'll dive into the details and we will also discuss what the ideal deployment looks like for Jalen Tolbert within the Dallas Cowboys offense. So we'll get into that. I'm excited about it. Primetime, as always, brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But tonight, we have a Jalen Tolbert-packed kind of show. What is up, everyone? Do me a favor, hit the like button. If you are new to the show, consider subscribing on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. If you are not a fan of the show, like The Prince, thank you for your time, though, and your comments and your engagement. This is our year, says Benito. What is up, Adam? Chalky Carnes as well. Gregory, Steve Miller. Thank you guys for being here on the show. We have a lot to talk about, uh, to talk about and we'll get started right away because there's a Mavericks game. And I don't want to take too much out of your time. You know, we want to see Luka Doncic and the Mavs bounce back from an 0-2 hole. So PFF put out a list of six NFC breakout candidates. And we had a show of our own outlining six breakout candidates within the Cowboys last Thursday night. But I made it a rule that we had to exclude rookies because I didn't want us to be high on that optimism use that you can get out of rookies because, you know, it's May, so a lot of people might be ready to call a Pro Bowl season for Sam Williams, for Jalen Tolbert, and even Tyler Smith at this point of the offseason. So I decided, you know what, we're going to keep it out of the rookies. But hey, PFF was thinking otherwise, and this is what Pro Football Focus had to say about Jalen Tolbert calling him to be a breakout candidate within the NFC uh, without the N within the NFC as a conference, not as a division, not, not the, the NFC East, the entire NFC. And within their reasoning, there's, of course, the pointing out of Michael Gallup not being ready for September, but also some interesting numbers in it. And I will read it uh, mainly for the podcast audience. Jalen Tolbert had five receiving touchdowns and 20-plus yard passes in route to his career high. 98.2 deep receiving grade at South Alabama last season. We know that the Cowboys do not have, will likely not have Michael Gallup ready to go early in the season, and that will provide Jalen Tolbert with a lot of opportunities. And it makes sense to make him a breakout candidate because even as a third-round rookie, you know that the opportunity at the end of the day, wide receiver is an opportunity position will be there for Jalen Tolbert. He will get playing time mainly because of the reason of the Cowboys not having a true number three wide receiver, but more than that, their number two guy is hurt. And you know that the Cowboys have been wanting to find that deep threat within the receiver group. And here's where it gets interesting. And we'll get into that in just a few moments here on the show. Although we like to call Jalen Tolbert a vertical kind of guy, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's an 
a receiver that you want to line up on the outside, play in and play out. Tolbert has the skill set to win on the outside because he's an ex-receiver uh, with the body type, with those strong hands of his. He can win in the 50-50 ball department. So you know that he can bring that to the table. But his ideal deployment might look a little bit different, and we'll get to that in just a few moments here on the show. Before we do that, though, before we do that, if we're calling him a breakout candidate, what does that look like? And my question from me to you guys on Facebook, on YouTube is, will Jalen Tolbert go over or under 550 yards in 2022? If you had to make the call, would he go over or under? While you give me your answers, and before I give you mine, let me talk to you about our friends over at freemanmazda.net because the ride of the week is the new 2022 Mazda CX-5. But hear me out, not only the Mazda CX-5, we're going to be looking at the select package this week. It starts at $29,125. And hear me out on these features. All-wheel drive, adaptive cruise control, which is a game changer on the road, Wi-Fi hotspot, Amazing feature, Apple CarPlay slash Android Auto, of course, and lane keeping assist for your comfort. So check out the Mazda CX-5, the 2022 version, and check out the select package over at freemanmazda.net, a family-owned business for over 65 years. Once more, that is freemanmazda.net. Let's see some of your answers here. 550 yards for, for Jalen Tolbert will likely sound like a low number. I'm not sure it is, though. Adam goes with the over. Chava says easily over. Bruno goes with the over. Gregory with the over. Chalky even says, I would say 600-ish. Bruno with the 750 plus, which is a high number, I would say. Steve Miller also with the over. Michael with the over. So a lot of optimism when it comes to Jalen Tolbert. And I was a little bit turned apart with choosing the number for the over-under. I didn't find the official number for the, by the odds makers, but rookies from the first round are all in that 700-800 range. Michael Gallup back in 2018, and you, and you got to admit there's a fair comparison there. X-like wide receiver drafted in the third round. We knew that he was a vertical kind of guy. And we knew, we knew that he could win those 50-50 balls. And there were a lot of comparisons during the draft process, even before the Cowboys drafted Jalen Tolbert, uh, between Tolbert and Gallup. There were a lot of those comparisons floating around. And in his initial year in the NFL as a rookie, Gallup had 507 receiving yards. And the thing is, it's got a lot to do with opportunity, right? Since Tolbert will have the opportunity to battle for the number two spot since week one with Michael Gallup injured, you could see how that's a low number. I will go with the over. I'm not as convinced about it, though. I can see a scenario in which we are a little bit disappointed just because it might take a little bit of time to figure Jalen Tolbert out. Uh, Ryan says that's about 35 yards a game if my math is correct. Well, there's that. Uh, that's a good point by Ryan Doyle. And something that I had not considered, and I will admit to it right now, is that there are 17 games now. There are 17 games now. 
Uh, Kenneth Fraser, what is up, everyone? There's also the injury factor. You never know if you never know if Tolbert will be able to go the 17 games. We're not trying to to jinx him though. Melvin says need a quarterback to go over. Oh, Melvin, Dak Dak Prescott is is it, that's a good scenario for you. You 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 have to like Dak Prescott in at quarterback for the Cowboys. But I know that's for some reason controversial since we're talking, of course, about the the Dallas Cowboys and that will never go away as an, an you know as a debate among Cowboys Nation. I wanted to talk a little bit though about what his ideal role looks like. Because once more, Jalen Tolbert, what's the first thing we heard about Tolbert? X receiver. You see the size, you know about the speed, you know that even if he's not the guy that will light up the 40-yard dash, he wins vertically. But does that necessarily mean that you want to play him on the outside like you would any traditional X receiver? The answer might be no. And I remember that we have talked about this earlier on, on primetime. We have discussed this a few weeks back and even since the moment in which he was drafted. But this is from Nate Tice from The Athletic. And he said this during their live stream of the day two for the NFL draft. And this was Nate Ties on Jalen Tolbert, who is an amazing analyst for the Athletic, former Wisconsin Badgers quarterback. Nate Ties was talking about Jalen Tolbert being a vertical guy from this lot. You know, speed of tree. Having that speedy guy on the inside that can win vertically, not necessarily on the outside like a traditional receiver. And Nate Ties said something that was pretty interesting and that, might get Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys offense to look a little bit creative. And this was from Nate Tice. Cowboys love flipping their receivers. This is his quote. Having their receiver at three and their tight end at two. So this would be numbering receivers from the sideline in. And I have a picture actually so we can look at it. And don't worry. Shout out to the podcast audience. I will describe it for you because remember... You can listen to each and every of the primetime episodes on Spotify, iTunes, after or whatever you listen to podcasts uh, from. You can catch the episodes after they stream live on those platforms, both primetime and, of course, Skywalker still show every morning as well. So this is what that would look like. And the Cowboys do love doing that. The Cowboys do love flipping their receivers. And this is from the Week 18 game versus the Philadelphia Eagles. First game that I looked for, and you know, I immediately found an example of this. The Cowboys will have a three by one formation pretty often three receivers on one side, and then one receiver on the opposite side. And they will have their number one guy isolated uh, well, not isolated, excuse me, on the outside, on the outside of the numbers. And then, although the most usual thing is to have your tight end the closest to the line, to the to the line the Cowboys will flip that very often so in this example you have Blake Jarwin i believe that is as their number 2 receiver with Cedric Wilson as their number 3 and in this play actually Cedric Wilson runs a vertical route Dak Prescott finds him on the seams and it's a 37 yard gain for the Cowboys on this particular play. That's what could be the ideal spot for Jalen Tolbert. Just 
playing on the inside as your number three, forcing the defense to face him with some sort of nickel defender, messing with their defensive structure, and then just letting him run vertically, get up the field, and get that deep threat going on offense. Because the Cowboys have been missing that for a while, honestly. The Cowboys have been in this spot in which, of course, Gallup can win vertically. CeeDee Lamb can also do so. Amari Cooper can also do so. But they need a guy to take the top off the defense uh, off. And even though Jalen Tolbert is not the fastest of guys, that's his game. That's his game, and that's what he did at South Alabama. Got vertical from the inside a lot of the time. And that fits right into the Dallas Cowboys offense. So that's what I would expect a lot from the Cowboys, even early in the season with Michael Gallup out for the year. Uh, no, nah, excuse me. What, what did I just say? Don't worry. Don't, don't get scared. Uh, that was just a, a hiccup from my part. Uh, with Michael Gallup likely out to begin the year. <laughs> I'm sorry if I, if I scared some of you guys. Maybe some of you thought, wait a minute, did I miss something? I'm sorry about that. Uh, but anyways, do you agree or disagree? That would be my question from me to you. Would you agree or disagree that Tolbert can become the Cowboys' deep threat specialist? In an offense in which you have James Washington, who was signed to be this speedy receiver and potential deep threat, you have Michael Gallup, who excels as an ex-receiver and actually has played as an ex-receiver at a very high rate, one of the highest rates in the NFL in terms of being isolated. But do you believe that the guy to become that deep threat specialist is actually Jalen Tolbert instead of any of the other guys? Uh, let's see. Ian Miles, as always, you know, just your regular Philadelphia Eagles fan activity. <laughs> uh, spending time in Cowboys shows. Gregory says, I like the fact that when cornerback play up on him and tries to jam him at the line, he runs over or through them. So most cornerbacks lay back off him, which he kills them then. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert, pretty physical guy. And that press skills, uh, those press skills might translate into the NFL. Do you agree or disagree that Tolbert can become a Cowboys deep threat specialist? Some of your answers here. Terence goes with, most definitely agree. Russell says, put him on the slot. Steve Miller says, agree. Sam Rowe disagrees. Michael says, slot, deep threat. Yeah, that puts him on the other team's third or fourth best defensive player. And Gregory goes with, yes, he is in time. Or he will be in time. And that's what I like about having those vertical guys on the, on the inside. I think that you really get to mess with defensive structures of, of opposing teams. And in these sort of scenarios, for example, can you get not only the tight end flipped and, you know, not only can you get the tight end at number two, but you can also walk out there with some creative lineups, having three-by-one formations in which the inside guys are CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Tolbert. And I know that we're still... You know, we still have not forgiven Kellen Moore. We still have high doubts about Kellen Moore. We don't know what will happen with the Cowboys offensive coordinator. But it does seem to me like play design is a strength of his. And I can definitely see him getting creative 
with CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Tolbert on the inside. I, I really wonder about how the Cowboys will use CeeDee Lamb. And I know that we might get answers in training camp or even in the OTAs on this topic. But I remember when talking to Bob Sturm here on the show from The Athletic, he joined us the eve of the NFL draft. And he brought up the fact that if you play on the inside, you can get hurt. And it's more likely to get hurt on the inside because of that roaming free safety, right? And if you're running seam routes, you're always in danger of getting hit. So even that, even the risk of injury plays a role in your decision-making as to where you will line up all of these guys. And I thought that was a pretty brilliant point by Bob Sturm. Do the Cowboys, when they sit down to evaluate where CeeDee Lamb can make the most damage, and some of us believe that that is on the inside. But the, does the risk of injury impact your decision-making? And if so, how much, right? And, and City Lamb's role is still up in the air. We don't know how they will use him. But we do know that the Cowboys have three playmakers, uh, talking about City Lamb, Jalen Tolbert, and Michael Gallup, that can do a little bit of everything. I believe that Gallup has a skill set to win inside, even though we don't get to see a lot of him on that role. And he is, of course, your ideal X receiver. CeeDee Lamb can do both. Jalen Tolbert can likely do both. So I just love that versatility across the Cowboys wide receiver room. Ryan Doyle says, Mo, you have to feel <laughs> pretty honored that an Eagles fan would come and spend time on a Cowboys live stream show. I do. I always do, man. I... I I even feel honored that uh, the prince earlier on the show who left us this loving message. You suck, dude. Your content is trash. I, I, I even feel honored that the prince took out, you know, five seconds out of his time to, to stop by and leave a message, to be honest. Samuel Rowe says, Will Fuller will be our deep threat guy. So Samuel Rowe crossing his fingers for a late free agent addition at wide receiver I don't know, Samuel. I don't know. Uh, Michael says if CD doesn't step up, he could be competing for his number wide receiver, his number one wide receiver spot with JT in 2023. That's another hey, that's another angle. I'm also look, I'm not only looking forward to, to seeing what CD Lamb's role will be but also how he will fare on that specific role because we all want to see CeeDee Lamp take that next step. Now you're the number one guy in Dallas. How are you going to, to fare? And I know that a lot of people have some issues, for example, with how many drops CeeDee Lamp has had. But not that long ago, we also looked at some of the stats there. And, you know, drops are, are an issue. Not saying that they're not. But also, a lot of the best wide receivers in the NFL have been leading the NFL in drops over the last few years. So you can have drops and still be one of the best receivers in the league, even though that sounds ironic as heck. But it also has to do with how many times you're thrown the football. So I guess that would be the mathematical way to look at it. The bigger the the tar the most the more targets you get the more chances you have of dropping the football and that's why you consistently see some of the top receivers rank high on those drop lists. 
So there is always some sort of, of muddy information out there. And that's why you likely should look at drop rates, for example, instead of total number of drops, right? Uh, Gregory says, Mo, you have a great show. I wish your show was at least an hour, an hour and a half, says Gregory. I appreciate it, Gregory. But I also think there's something about this shorter format that, that, that I like. Because if we would go an hour, an hour and a half every, every night, maybe we wouldn't get right to the point like I like to do uh, on this show. But I appreciate it, Gregory. And I surely appreciate the support. And by the way, if you like the show, do me a favor and hit the like button. That sounds redundant. But hey, if you like it, like it. And of course, you know that every like allows us to put this show in front of more Cowboys fans as we continue to grow the ADC Sports Dallas community. Russell says, what are your thoughts? Will Dallas do any more signings at all for free agency? I think they, they surely will. There are signings coming the Cowboys way. I'm just not sure that they will be big signings. Right. Lauren Michael on a related note says, is, is cornerback Joe Hayden available? He is. And not that long ago, we took a look at three potential free agent additions that the Cowboys could pull off. And Joe Hayden was one for me, even though there, uh, in the graphic, you can see linebacker. That was, of course, a mistake of mine. <laughs> I think there will be some signings. I think there will be a signing at kicker. I think they will get someone in there to compete with. Jonathan Garibay. I think there will be someone that may be a potential linebacker addition. Jose Christian says, Anthony Barr will be a cowboy book it. That one makes a lot of sense to me. And I had a show about it last week, even though we, we've gotten used to not expecting the Cowboys to pull off signings of free agents that we at least know their names. I think that Anthony Barr can be one that actually happens. I'm optimist on that front. I'm an optimist on that front. I think there will be signings, Russell. I just don't know if there, there will be a big one. But I think you can get a kicker. You can get a linebacker. Maybe even I wouldn't rule out another offensive lineman, to be honest with you. Clemente says he's going to have an impact, but not more than Tolbert. I think that's uh, a reply to... No, to uh, Clemente had said number eight, number 48, Ferguson going to have the bigger impact. Just see. And Roderick says he's going to have an impact, but not more than Tolbert, which I would agree with. I can see Jalen Tolbert having a, a tight end two role. I don't see him taking over the starting role uh, versus Dalton Schultz. Of course, I think that would be a major, major surprise. I'm, I'm hoping that that Ferguson allows the Cowboys to use more 12 personnel. And I'm hoping that that number 48 motivates him to get that blocking going like a certain former Cowboy that used 48. You know who I'm talking about. You know. Um, Todd says, possible swing tackle after minicamp and OTAs, says Todd Cook. I don't know if we're talking about a, a oh of course a free agent signing. Yeah, you could you could have a, a potential swing tackle. I don't know. I think that the Cowboys are high on Josh Ball and Matt Willetsko. 
but you never know. If you get to OTAs, if you get to the offseason and you don't like what you're seeing, everything is up for, for grabs. The moose, that is right, the moose. Tolbert is a dog, says Kevin Knight. I <laughs> love uh, what up, Mo? Get upgrade that degree. Says I love weed on YouTube. I'll say it every day. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. We're close. We're close to the degree. Jose says Cowboys said they won't sign an offensive tackle. They did a swing tackle. They did right after they drafted. Well, let's go. They're kind of high on, on him. So there are five minutes and 40 seconds left on the first quarter of the Dallas Mavericks game versus the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are up 19 to 11. Before we get out of here, I'm going to ask you for one more comment. Drop your final score prediction for the Mavs game three. Will they make it two to one on tonight's matchup over in Dallas? Drop your score prediction before we get out of here. In the meantime, as always, let me talk to you about the fact that over on the podcast platform and on adcsports.com slash Dallas, Ian has got you covered with Mavericks content. So make sure you check that out. If you're into the maps, you can sign up to, you can subscribe or follow the ADC Sports Dallas Podcast Network on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts to, and you can catch Ian's Mavericks podcast. On the same channel, you can catch the primetime shows, the Skywalker Steel shows on the mornings. So drop your score prediction. 114-110 maps, says Exotic. Let's go. Warriors 123 maps 89, says Kevin Knight. Oh, that one hurts. Michael also with some, uh, you know, we're, we're lacking optimism after an 0-2 start from what I can see. Warriors 124, Dallas 99. Jose goes with 3-0. Warriors, Luca cannot do it himself. So not a lot of predictions favoring the maps. Robert Chuk goes with 119, 113 maps. Todd goes with Warriors 100 and maps 110. I will go with, let's call it Mavericks 112, Golden State 109. I'm going with 109 to 112. Give me the Mavericks win and let's get it. Everyone, thank you for joining tonight's show. I appreciate your time. You can catch me every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. And I will see you tomorrow, hopefully, with the Mavericks 2-1 by the time we see each other again. So thank you for your time. Have a fantastic start to your week. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, your primetime host. Primetime, as always, brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Net, a family-owned business for over 65 years. Check them out. Get their A-plus customer service plus a wide range of new Mazda vehicles. Thank you, guys. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks.
probably $1.5 billion in public funding that's going to that's going to, including the $500 million in bonds from the state, including the hotel motel tax that's going to be raised to uh, to help cover the cost of this thing here in the city of Nashville. There's a lot of different things that are going to come together, and there will be a degree of burden on taxpayers here in Middle Tennessee. But did it change your opinion? Because I feel like a lot of people wanted this thing regardless. Um, are there any models with a retractable roof? I want to be able to open it up. Here's what I've here's what I've been told over and over again, Derek. It's not it's not going to be retractable. Um, don't expect it to be retractable. It's not going to be retractable. It is. I, it's not. It's not necessarily going to be like a generic dome either. Like I think the kind of roof that they're looking at is the kind that they have at SoFi, where it's technically open air. I don't know how big the gap is between the ceiling of the stadium, or rather the roof of the stadium, and like the the part of you know, basically between the structure itself and the roof, there's a gap, right? You guys remember that, I think it was a Chargers-Raiders game where there was a lightning delay, even though in SoFi, even though SoFi has a roof and there's not like enough room for the lightning strikes to be able to legitimately affect it. Anyway, Neil Patel says, I don't mind it, season ticket member, but all them upgrades they did last two years, lights, speakers just went to waste. Yeah, it's true, right? They just, and by the way, there's, there's, already those come from Davidson County taxpayer uh, burdens. Now we're still probably, I mean, we're talking probably five or six years away optimistically from the Titans having this new stadium built. So you're still going to get use out of that at Nissan stadium um, for the foreseeable future. The field is open to all the, uh, is open to the elements, but all the seats are covered says monsoon. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, we get taxed so much for so much bullshit, we might as well pay a tax for something that we enjoy doing, says Stephen Bergwell, which is probably fair. Uh, Puka says, build it like Wembley, where overhang protects fans. Again, it's not going to be, it's my understanding that there will be a, a roof, but it will not be retractable. And we will continue to keep ta- tabs on that, but that's the model that they seem to have selected to move forward. Not retractable, not open air, not canopy style, but more like SoFi, I don't know whether it's going to be translucent or not, but this is the kind of stuff that they're exploring right now. And we told you guys that this was going to be the path down in March when I had Nate Rao from Axios on my radio show. And we talked about a lot of the details and how much further we've gotten since I think the end of March to where we are now, where it seems like this is really this is really gaining traction. So I think I think the best way to have this conversation is for me to just ask you, Nate, where are we now with the stadium proposal? Because it sounds like with each passing day and with each legislative meeting regarding it, that this becomes a little more real. So where are we currently in this process on the reporting? Yeah, uh, well, where we are is for many months, maybe even I would say years, the Titans had been working toward uh, renovating Nissan Stadium. And they'd gotten to a point uh, where they had, you know, a sense of how much that renovation would cost and had been talking with the city and the state about how they could work out a a financing plan for that. And earlier this year, you know, they were getting down into the really detailed cost estimate phase of this and realized it was going to be significantly more expensive than than they had thought. And that kind of had shifted the conversation, I think, over the last several weeks to the possibility of building a whole new stadium, right? And 
the first big piece of, so when you're going to go down that path, it's how are we going to pay for this thing? Right. Like, right. This is, a, and in other cities, it's been in the neighborhood of about $2 billion for, for major new stadiums, setting aside the LA stadium, which is really a, a one-off. Yeah. That's Walmart and, money. That's a different kind of money. Yeah, that's yeah. We shouldn't use that as a point of reference here, but the first big piece of that puzzle for answering that question came this week with uh, the governor proposing in his amended budget, as you just explained, $500 million in bonds to help pay for uh, an enclosed roof stadium. And, you know, that that proposal still needs to be approved by the politicians in the legislature. So that's not a done deal. But that is a major, you know, first step toward a new roofed stadium in Nashville. So since that since that interview with Nate, the the uh, the state government did approve the five hundred million dollars in bonds for the Tennessee Titans, and now we are looking at uh, being very very close to getting this project underway. Now the start date for it is something that um, I had not seen. I'm gonna I'm uh, I, I believe that might have been discussed on Friday when Burke Nihill went in front of the Metro Sports Authority. But $1.8 billion to keep the stadium up to snuff through 2039. The obvious alternative is to build the new stadium based on those projections. And we'll keep you updated with that. And I'll let you know when John Cooper, Mayor John Cooper, is going to be on the radio show and we can bring some of that back for a primetime episode. Uh, all right, let's wrap things up with this is a free site here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch on the primetime show. The question that I have for you guys is this. Who form tackles better, the Titans defense or Nashville SC, Nashville Soccer Club security? If you haven't seen this video, you're going to like it. Uh, it is uh, a question that I think could be made, uh, I think could be made uh, legitimately. Who form tackles better, the Titans defense or Nashville SC security? Let me know on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We will discuss here in just a second. Um, the uh, Yes, the start date was discussed. Uh, oh, Karen O'Keefe brings up the start date of the stadium. Karen, can you can you tell me when that was? Because uh, the the reporting out of that um, out of that press conference is not something that I saw a start date on. Perhaps you saw something that I did not. So I'd appreciate it if you uh, if you had that available. And if not, I'll be able to figure it out myself. Um, security hands down says Tim Park. Uh, Puka says, who was the crazy woman? That was an amazing tackle last night. Sign that man, J-Rob. Uh, and then I'm also asked if I stayed through the SC, uh, the SC lightning delay. Now you guys know I have season tickets to Nashville SC. I did not. I watched 15 minutes, 15 minutes of soccer. I waited about 30 minutes. Uh, I waited about 30, 35 minutes on the concourse. And I said, if I'm going to spend money on $15 beers here. I might as well spend 15, uh, money on $15, uh, cocktails at a bar. Cause I don't like beer and I want to go drink tequila and there's bars all around the stadium. So I went to a bar afterwards and I said, you know, what the hell with this game. Now the game ended up being a, a good one until it sounds like Nashville SC blew it. Uh, they had the two, one lead and then there was an equalizing goal that had it end in a draw. But regardless, during that nearly three hour delay, there were some shenanigans on the field and off the field. And one that happened on the field, I thought, was uh, handled pretty well by Nashville SC security. 
she out? You hear Stu Holden in the broadcast booth, in the Fox Sports broadcast booth, go, oh, is she out? Let's watch again. Let's review on the tape, shall we? He said, oh, is she out? It did seem like that. I hope the young woman is okay um, because that was a tough scene. Mark Jones taking the question entirely too uh, seriously. Titans defense, Big Jeff, Bud Dupree, Landry, Z Cunningham, David Long can tackle pretty good. It's pretty well, first and foremost. And yes, take the question just a little less seriously, Mark, and watch somebody get tackled on the field of a soccer game, for God's sakes. <laughs> There's always got to be somebody who ruins the fun for the rest of us. Anyway, it's been a great show. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. Radio show is going to be a great time tomorrow. Join us from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. If you missed any of the radio show live, there's a podcast available to you. It's called The Buck Rising Show in your favorite podcast app. A lot more details on the stadium stuff that we'll be able to share. And uh, I don't know if I don't know if Lucas has told me who is on the radio show as of tomorrow, but uh, yeah, I don't have time to check my text right now. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys tomorrow night on A to Z Sports Prime Time.